Hello, this is Jean MacDonald, the Midlife Midwife. And I thought I would share with you some thoughts about the position of women in England that have come to me at this time of International Women's Day 2022. My barometer on the world is BBC Radio 3, which I've been listening to every day for more years than I care to remember. For those who don't know this station, they play mostly classical music with a bit of talking about it in between. Five years ago, I don't remember them even mentioning International Women's Day. This year, they are dedicating the whole day to playing music by women composers, and they have been publicizing it for the last few weeks. To be fair, they had a day of music by women composers last year, but they made much less noise about it in advance. What a revelation that was. So much lovely music that has largely been ignored over the years. How could such good quality music be neglected in scheduling programs on radio, TV and in concert halls in a lopsided bias in favour of men composers? I don't know much about the world of pop music or light music, but I would guess it has been much the same there. Women composers have not been featured because of a belief they could not produce the same quality of music as male composers. Well, the music that has come to light on Radio 3, at least, has shown that this idea is wrong. I hear there's now an international competition for women orchestral conductors, which has received hundreds of applicants. Only a few years ago, no woman would think that they could conduct because it was unknown for women to conduct major orchestral concerts. These are examples of discrimination which we don't see until we do, if you understand what I mean. We live in a world where we are programmed to believe certain things and therefore we only see evidence that fits with that belief. Then at some point, someone manages to see through or around the belief and see what is really going on. Can I give you an example I learned about this year? There was a program on Radio 3, yes, that program again, about Simone de Beauvoir. She is credited with being the first modern feminist. She published her best-known book, The Second Sex, in 1949. The story of how she became a feminist is very interesting. She was born in 1908 into a middle-class intellectual family in Paris. She was brought up in the sheltered world of high ideas and high ideals and intellectual conversation. She was then educated at Sorbonne in Paris, which is the top French university. In those intellectual circles, little attention was given to the fact that she was a girl and then a woman. Then I think at some point her family lost their money and she was plunged into the world of ordinary people. She was struck by the, how badly poor and working class women were treated in society and what a hard time they had. When she talked to these women about it and their lives, I imagine they would have metaphorically shrugged in a typically French way and said something like, 
Well, that's the way it is. My point is that because of her sheltered upbringing, Simone looked at and saw the position of women in society as a child with the fresh eyes of a child, even though she was an adult. From that fresh vision, she was able to develop her thinking about the suppression of women in society and the creation of her existential feminist philosophy. Paradoxically, she has always been better known as the lifetime partner of the existential philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre. Maybe that was an advantage in getting more of her books out and sold and read in those early days before she became famous in her own right. In later years, she continued to promote her ideas as a very active feminist until her death in 1986. In so many areas of suppression and discrimination, we, both the victims and the perpetrators, live with them and accept them until someone of influence, like Simone de Beauvoir, points them out. There's often a gap when the victims wake up sooner than the perpetrators, as has happened in the case of the Me Too movement. Then slowly society struggles to accept and adjust to the new view of suppressed and discriminated against group. We can see this pattern happening not just with women, but also with people of color, other racial minorities, asylum seekers, gender diversity, and various physical and mental disabilities. Usually the process of social change and acceptance happens slowly, very slowly. There are usually bastions of resistance among predictable areas in society. These can be found both at the top and at the bottom of our society. At the top, we have the elevated institutions who by nature are conservative. Look at how long it took the Church of England to accept women priests, and they've only just recently accepted women bishops. And then look at how the venerable institutions of Oxford and Cambridge delayed in allowing women to participate. The only way that women could get in was to create their own colleges back in the 19th century. However, their degrees were not recognized by Oxford University until 1920 and by Cambridge University until 1948. At least in those institutions, the critics of women's advance were vocal and visible. That is not the case in other institutions of the British establishment. Among older politicians and the faceless senior civil servants who probably really rule the country, there lurks continuing prejudice against women and ignorance of the life and indignities that most women must suffer. The only women they know are their cosseted wives, sisters and mothers who live privileged lives with their friends in leafy suburbs. Sadly, that's also true of most of us from middle class backgrounds who are fortunate enough to have stable families and good education. We think the battle for women's equality has largely been won. I thought that until I joined the Women's Equality Party a few years ago. 
I was at the first conference of the Women's Equality Party in Manchester. During one of the intervals, they ran a filmed list of names on the big screen, like the rolling credits at the end of a film in the cinema. I was stunned to learn that this was a list of the names of women who had been killed by their partners in the last year. It went on and on. It is a year since Sarah Everard was murdered by a serving metropolitan policeman. Since then, 125 women have been killed, mostly by their partners. That is over two a week. Yet where is the public outcry? What is being done by the criminal justice system to address this appalling, these appalling crimes? Why isn't the media protesting daily about these outrages? Domestic violence incidents are largely ignored by the police and the rate of rape prosecutions has been falling in recent years. The intricacies of the legal system seem to be weighted in favour of protecting the perpetrators more than the victims. Rather than improving, this situation seems to be getting worse. I know domestic violence can occur at any level of society, but once again, educated, confident women are much better equipped to be able to extricate themselves from that situation. Unfortunately, women who have little education or understanding of our system, or even our language, have little chance of escape. I have learned that there are many other instances where women who are at the lower levels of our society are treated unbelievably badly by an unsympathetic legal and administrative system. We can see this very clearly in the criminal justice system, which you may be surprised to learn treats women more harshly than men. I was shocked to hear that there are women in prison for not paying the family TV license, even when there was someone else in the household who could have paid it. There are women in prison for shoplifting or other minor theft to raise money to pay for drugs for an addicted partner. Probably the woman would not have the confidence or words to defend herself or did not want to implicate their partner for reasons of fear or love. She'd also not know or understand her, illegal, her rights to legal representation, if any. The legal system seems to be blind and deaf to the reality behind these crimes. Another area that falls heavily on poorer women is the so-called benefit system, with all its intricacies and reason why money should not be paid. The poor woman trying to feed her family will have little chance of understanding or following the requirements of an ever-changing system. Once again, the administrators who run these systems have no idea what life is like for women at the bottom of the heap. The other area coming to light recently is the ingrained misogyny and racism within the police. This will be no surprise to women, most of whom will have been patronised by policemen at some time in their lives. The prevalent attitudes of prejudice and hostility to minority groups in the police and other macho culture groups is a sign of their insecurity and fear that their beliefs and values are being challenged or undermined. There are women working in these systems, of course, but they have no power and too little influence to change the institutional cultures. 
So it is against these barriers that the progress of women's equality is stalling. This seems to me the frontier at which we have arrived in the fight for real equality for women. There are large numbers of women, maybe a numerical majority, who are suffering at the hands of a clumsy and blind administrative and legal system, which keeps them poor, wretched and in fear. It is up to women who have some capacity and agency because of having education, confidence and financial independence to raise some sort of effective protest against this appalling level of injustice. I have mentioned the Women's Equality Party. They're not so much a competitor against the major parties, but more of a protest group who twist the tails of career politicians. You can check them out online. You don't have to join. Just sign up for their newsletters to keep informed of what's going on and the campaigns that they are running. However, if you prefer to play the established political system, you can contact your MP and ask them where they stand and what they're doing about these injustices. I realize I'm talking about the local situation in England, and you may be living in another country. You may be blessed with a fairer system in your country. I hope so, but check it out. I know that this time we have many pressing issues, such as climate change, war in Ukraine, political situation in Afghanistan, to concern us. However, I believe it's important to keep in mind and take action to change the continuing institutional injustices against women in this country. I hope you agree and will lend your weight to the cause. This is Jean MacDonald, the Midlife Midwife, signing off for today. Bye.